Matthew, this week it's um the horror sandwich special is it's a it's a Nicolas Cage special. Um most well, certainly is. It is, it most certainly is. So when people walk through those uh the creative psychopath doors and order the special sandwich, they're gonna they're gonna get a lovely Renfield review slice of bread, followed by a delightful Wicker Man bees bee filling. Honey, bees. Honey. Yeah. Honey. Yeah. Some sort of a honey wicker man. And uh the final slice of bread will be uh, a delicious let's put Nicolas Cage in a horror film. Um so that's this week's special, everybody. Now, if you are gonna come to the restaurant, you really should leave us five star reviews. Now we keep have our restaurant reviews on podcast apps. I know it's a very odd place to keep them. Um, but if you could go on there and say what a delightful chef hosts. I don't actually know what's going on here. I've got very confused between whether we are actually making sandwiches or um podcasts. What else do we want them to do? Well, there's a there's a the the restaurant could also be described as a Facebook group. Mm. Uh, if we're, if we're stretching metaphors and you know it's it's a nice place to join stay a while chat to some of the other patrons and you know sandwich aficionados and uh yeah have a good time in there and you know while you're at it, you know, you could also step into the the other parts of the restaurant that are facebook and sorry not facebook twitter and instagram and you know do the same thing there yeah yeah um well, there you go. So we did a sort of restaurant thing this week. Uh, I don't know if that'll carry on. Let's just get on with the episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Creative Psychopaths, a horror movie podcast and the world's premier kitchen for horror sandwiches. What are those horror sandwiches? I hear you shout or ask quietly. Um, well, I'll tell you what they are. It's a lovely movie filling surrounded by two bready slices of chatty horror goodness. My name's Mark, and as always, I'm joined by Matthew. Hello. Howdy. Howdy. I like it when you say howdy. It makes me feel like the restaurant has got um, those swinging doors. You know the ones I mean? From Yeah, you, you walk in and everyone just stops what they're doing and, and yeah. turns to you. Yeah, the old play a piano player. <laughs> like that. Yeah. Yeah. And men drinking sarsaparilla and being generally dirty. Yeah. And maybe mead. Do people drink mead? No, nah, that's more... Vikings and ah medieval. Actually, I have a bottle of mead in the in my cupboard over there. It's actually quite nice. Oh, maybe they could make like an Amish, an Amish, a Viking Top Gun. Which I feel the need, the need for mead or something. That'd be good, wouldn't it? Well, uh, no mead sales could rock it. They could, couldn't they? The, the... A delicious honey drink made by the bees. Not the bees. Um, oh, that's like foreshadowing. Foreshadowing. 
talking about foreshadowing or doing something. Last week we talked about trailers, and um, I mostly didn't add anything apart from I think maybe the the blackening. But one of the trailers I did want to talk about was um, the last voyage of the Demeter, well Demeter, whatever you want to call it, which is covering a very small span of the Dracula book where he travels from Transylvania to wherever he goes, London. So I always thought, was it Whitby? Uh, it might have been, yeah. Because I always thought that's why, you know, that's why all the goths hang out there. I think it wasn't Bram Stoker buried there or something. I think, I think, or Carfax Abbey, something like that. I think in the book, it's Carfax Abbey or something like that, which is in Whitby, but in the book, I'm pretty sure it's in London. Um, Oh, he yeah. does. I think he does hang out in London after that, doesn't he? He definitely does. Definitely does. I remember he's a low-powered vampire in Bram Stoker's one, in the that film with Gary Oldman. Oh, people don't realise that vampires can move around during the day, but they're low-powered, low-powered vampires. Like, uh, you know, we've got garden lights and they charge during the day. I, I don't know if it's similar or not. Low-powered garden lights. Low-powered garden lights. Or so- solar-powered vampires. That doesn't work. Um, anyway, um, so yeah, it's covering the um, the small voyage between, uh, yeah, one place and the other where he's shipped over in his own dirt, I think. Um, and interestingly, with this film, it to me it looks really it looks really good. Anyway, it's set on like an old ship, and um, Dracula's doing his thing, but he's 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 not doing his charming. Dracula thing. He's doing his bat Nosferatu thing. And um, it looks really interesting. I'm really sort of looking forward to it. Not sort of. Definitely I'm looking forward to it. Um, the only thing I think, though, is that it's going to be, might be a slight anticlimax because um, I'm pretty sure everybody dies on the ship. <laughs> well, it's the last voyage, isn't it? So, I mean, does everyone <laughs> die or, do, you know, do they like Take the ship down with them. Imagine surely someone has to steer it to victory. Maybe that's why it ended up in Whitby and not London. Well, oh, maybe. Or maybe it's does London have a sea? Oh. Well, you know. get the you know, Thames Estuary, you get sail down there. Maybe I don't know. Get a lot of cargo ships departing out of London Gateway Port. Anyway, it's looking nice, don't you think? Looks all right. I do, yeah. I think it's well, it's a bit of the uh, yeah, like you said, the, the vampire story that that's never really been explored, has it? It's always kind of you start in Transylvania and then the ship arrives at England, let's just say, and it's it's an empty void, uh, empty vessel, isn't it? Usually, so yeah, hearing that story, it's hmm. I mean, it's amazing. It's lasted this long until someone's done it, really, hasn't it? It is actually, yeah, it's a surprise. I actually um, thought that early, earlier in the trailer, I mean, it sort of ruins itself later, but early in the trailer, it, trailer, it's got a bit of an alien vibe about it. It's got a bit of a sneaking about, we don't know what's going on vibe, which, uh, yeah, I'm quite looking forward to it. I'm going to, I'm going to, since Winnie the Pooh was such a disappointment, I'm going to make that my most anticipated now. Um Because I was thinking about, you know, like, it's obvious that I'm anticipating Evil Dead Rise and, any of the major things, so I'm going to swap to that for now. Yeah, I, I 
<laughs> I think you're onto something. It does look does look really good. It's got a, a style yeah. to it. I'm really happy to see that you know we're getting the Nosferatu style Dracula back. Yeah, no, yeah. No, no more sexy class bang Dracula. We're getting. I didn't actually watch that series, but you know, you know what I mean. It's about I, time I, we I had do. a a manky looking Dracula, a proper monster. Yes, yeah. Yeah, and we'd be missing that. We'd be missing proper monsters. Um, but anyway, I just wanted to add that in as a sort of um, appetizer to the to the thing. And because obviously we're talking about Dracula, that leaves us into the leaves us leads us into the first slice of bread, which is you're going to tell us a bit about Renfield, a non-spoiler one, if you will. non-spoiler. Yeah, it's going to be a little bit late by the time this comes out. But at the time of recording, it was out just a few days ago so it, it's fresh to us damn it but, <laughs> yeah it's a bit of a, a weird film really so i mean it's not tracking to do a lot of success really because i mean it does feel weird that they've released this in april rather than you know october time when you usually get this sort of stuff or you know mm. i'd say it's not so much our association to Halloween stuff when we normally get horror films. I think it's, we need a bit more darkness in the world. Like literally, you know, it needs to be darker. Cause you know, Mithrigan came out early in the year and, and did, did well. And, and I think you need more showings where it's dark going in and dark going out. Yeah. Right. Whereas this is a time of year that it's getting light at, you know, it's not going dark here until sort of half past eight now. And it's, I don't know, it just feels a bit wrong watching horror in the cinema at that, that time. But I mean, that that's kind of by the by, because this isn't really a horror film. There's nothing, there's nothing scary about it other than it really playing with those traditional horror characters. Right. Uh, and yeah, and on top of that, the film itself is is just weird. It feels like it's these two scripts that have been mushed together. And one of them is the one that we get in the trailer, you know, that abusive, toxic relationship between Dracula and Renfield, which is, that's where the film's strongest, I think. Right. But there's this other uh, sort of half half the story that sort of is what builds and what's, what drives, you know, the character and the plot forward is like, Dracula getting involved in organized crime. <laughs> and, right. Yeah, I mean, it's on paper it sounds good, but I think because they've tried to mush these two big ideas together, it kind of doesn't explore either of them thoroughly enough. Right, yeah, yeah. So, you know, we, we end up with you know, just feeling a little bit short change with both of them. Uh and then, you know, we we're being sold this as a horror comedy and it's say so it's not scary, but it's also it's this weird kind of humor. That's like a bit funny, but the screenplay just doesn't seem to have jokes in it. You know, there's no, there's nothing where you can go. A writer has written a funny thing here. And instead it's sort of relying on, especially Nicolas Cage and Aquafina to mm-hmm. just be funny, you know, just do what you're doing, but, but be funny. And it's their strength of personalities are enough that they, they get away with that. 
Right. Uh, but not, you know, they, they need more to work with to really, to really drive this forward. I would say the only character that, that is genuinely, you know, a, a comedic character that is written as such is Ben Schwartz. Because uh, he's got a lot of, he, you know, he's got a lot of jokes in it, and he, he delivers them really good. He's he's probably the star of the film, really. Like you know, the the breakout runaway star of it. Oh, really? So, yeah, yeah. It's it's surprising, isn't it? But I think it's a testament to the fact that Nicolas Cage isn't in it enough because when he is, he's he's fantastic. You know, you've seen the bits in the trailer. Mm. You know, he is like that throughout the whole film. And there's, you know, there's also a thing, like you said earlier about being a low-powered Dracula, where he is throughout the film trying to build back his power base, you know. Uh, it's explained at the beginning that he goes through this cycle where he becomes powerful, takes things too far, and eventually holy men will come and take him down and... It, Renfield has to like nurse him back to health and it's this you know, vicious cycle that keeps going and they keep moving from place to place. <laughs> and they they start off at that really well. You know, they show Dracula as this mostly burnt, necrotic mess. And he gradually just improves a little bit and little by little. And they, they don't do enough with that either. You know, it's you tend to get two scenes where he's properly you know, decaying and messed up. But then it he's just sort of back to just being Nicolas Cage after that. And yeah, it's it, it feels like it's a film just full of wasted potential. But having said that, there are some, you know, quite good action beats in it. Uh, I best way that I would probably describe the cinematography and, and how it's put together and how the, the beats come off is like it's like reading a comic book if but it doesn't feel gimmicky if that makes mm. any sense because they show these little moments of uh you know little moments of action reaction and they they seem to hold it just for a little beat and it feels like you're looking at a panel and then it you know will move through two or three cuts quite quickly and then you've got another panel and it does the same and it, it really does feel like you're you know you're flicking through a, a comic quite you know at this breakneck pace that the film has right yeah so that, it, you know, it's got a, a look and a style to it definitely that sounds very good yeah i think the only concern i had about this is and i think you've answered it is that there wasn't enough nicholas cage that i mean i realize it's not technically his film but um yeah, but, but um, from what you said, there isn't enough Nicholas Cage. You say that's about right. Yeah, there, there, there definitely isn't. With that whole bit where Dracula's being involved in organised crime, if I was going to be the screenwriter, I would have, I would have got rid of the organised crime bosses in it quite early and right. just had Dracula take that over. Yeah, uh, yeah instead yeah. he's kind of playing alongside them for too much. And obviously when you do that, you sort of half the screen time that, that Dracula can get. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He should be hamming it up and taking the whole, 
as much as he can, really. Yeah, that it, absolutely. Yeah, and, yeah. I mean, it's not, you know, don't get me wrong, there, it's not a bad film. It's, I think people are going to enjoy it. I don't think people are going to come away, you know, glum or disappointed, but it's not, it doesn't deliver on as much stuff as what it, you know, what it sets up and what it could deliver on. Yeah. Uh, I, I put it firmly in our who it's spooky category. Oh, right. Okay. Okay. Well, I, uh, I, do you know what? Based on that, then, I, I don't think I am going to go out to see it. I think I might just wait for VOD. Uh, yeah, I think it's a film that's going to be quite successful in, in that format. Yeah, yeah. I, it, it's definitely something that I would like to see. And, you know, but based on what we were saying about the trailer of the thing, you know, it's it's fun that they're picking out different parts of that story that they can use without you know, rehashing the same thing over and over. So it's going to be interesting. It'll be interesting to see. Um, so, yeah, but like I say, based on what you were saying, I think I'm probably going to wait till. Uh, yeah, I think it's one of those VOD. that once it gets on VOD, it's probably going to find, find an audience. Uh, because it does seem like it's that perfect sort of Saturday evening nothing else to do uh don't want something too taxing kind of film yeah you know and it's 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 light it's easy to follow you know there's there's some laughs there's you know no known likable stars you know i think people are going to enjoy it uh but it's you know i don't think it's going to be you know a core text for the genre no, no. Oh, well, you know, based on that, you can either go see it or not, I suppose, but it'll definitely, well, we'll I'm sure we'll get around to it probably at some point, eh? Eventually. <laughs> Eventually. We'll probably have a Nicolas Cage-a-thon, like we are this week. Yeah, he's, he's taking over the whole podcast world. Which brings me into the um, film of the week which was the last uh, of our April Fool, Fool's Gold thing, uh, which I've really enjoyed. I haven't enjoyed saying it because I keep forgetting what it's called. Um, so, yeah, we've got The Wicker Man from 2006. Now, I just realised that I didn't write anything down, um, which was bad of me, but don't worry. Well, let's go through it because I've got IMDb in front of me. Yeah, so, two thousand six. It is directed by Neil Labute, mm-hmm. uh, or uh, Labute. Uh, not entirely sure how to pronounce it. I think it is Labute. Labute. Mm. So yeah, uh, and of course, it stars the great man himself, Nicholas Cage, and he is playing Edward Malus. And then co-stars, we have Ellen Burstein as Sister Summers Isle, Kate Bean as Sister Willow Woodward. Uh, more or less all you really need, isn't it, in, in the film? There's not uh, no, there's many few, characters with a great deal to do, is there? There's a few characters knocking around, but nobody, nobody has, like you say, nobody really stands out. Uh, of course, you know, it is a remake of the 1973 classic. It is. Uh, starring Edward Woodward, which I don't know if you noticed 
Nicholas Cage character called Edward and the missing girl the surname was Woodward. I did. I noticed a few I noticed a few of those things. I saw a picture of Edward Woodward at some point. I think he was in the police station on a missing poster. Oh, okay. That's a, a nice little another nice little Easter egg. Easter egg. Um mm-hmm. yeah, You know, my uh my other half, her favourite film uh, is Hot Fuzz and she she also loves the Wicker Man and doesn't believe me that uh, the head of the neighbourhood watch is the same guy. All right, yeah, <laughs> it is, isn't it? Yeah, I know. I've I've, I've shown her the proof, but she she All won't right. have it. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, what do we? Oh, budget wise, so budget it was what forty million, box office at thirty eight point eight. So, but. Uh, we know from DVD sales and stuff, it's probably surpassed that by now. Yeah, and obviously the other thing is that marketing drives the the budget right up as well, doesn't it? So it's it's probably done just about all right. Probably, yeah, yeah. The other thing that I saw about this was apparently this is the first actual horror film that Ellen Burstyn had done since the exorcist um i understand she was the voice of something in the red dragon um but yeah this was the first actual live action horror film she'd done since the exorcist which is vaguely interesting yeah um, no, it's it's good to see her uh yeah. so i'll probably get to it a bit later that christopher lee she ain't that's not her fault. I'm not. I'm certainly not blaming her for that on this one. No, no. Well, um, so what I will admit to is, I think last week I said I was going to watch the original Wicker Man, but I actually decided that um, I didn't want to have my opinion of this film changed or formed in any way because of watching the original. So I thought I'd just leave it alone. Um, I so will have, get. I will get you... up to it. Have you ever seen it, or is it? I've, I, not really. I, I know enough about it. Okay. Um, to know exact to know what goes on and the sort of sort of differences between this version and that version, um, and obviously that very famous ending. Um, so I'm going to say that you made the right decision with that. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm normally the type of person that can see a remake and not judge it too much according to the original but for this one i i just couldn't at all i don't know why uh, you know i'm i don't tend to get angry at those disney remakes even even though i do find them unnecessary but yeah yeah this one i i just i couldn't see through it. every time that was there was something happening i was just comparing it to just the original right and this one comes off second best on on every count, <laughs> so it's yeah. I think not watching them, I would hazard a guess as to say that you probably enjoyed this film more as a result of that. Uh, I actually got um, no, I. It's a tricky one, this because I actually found it quite hilarious as movies go. I thought it was quite funny, um, or at least the sort of back thirty minutes. Uh, uh, sort of hilarious. Um, 
uh, up until then, it's very boring. It feels like, because it's, what, an hour and 40 minutes, maybe? Yeah, um, around that. And that first hour, sort of right at the beginning, when he has that sort of traumatic situation that happens to him, which, um, well, we're just going into these things, aren't we? Where he, where he's sort of trying to rest. He's talking to a mom and a daughter, and they get hit by a lorry, and he tries to rescue them, but um, they basically explode. Although later in the movie, it, it's not clear if that actually happened or not. I'm inclined to believe it didn't actually happen, um, and they. Whatever these people, whoever they are, manipulated the situation to get him time off so he would be able to go do the thing that he does. Um, but yeah, so that happens. Um, well, that's quite interesting. But then when it turns into this sort of, um, when he gets over to the sort of um, summer aisle, is it summer? Is it summer, summer's aisle. They put yeah. a. a- Unnecessary S in there for some reason. Yeah, why, why? So yes, yeah, so a Summer's Isle, Summer's Summer's Isle, Summer's Isle. Um, and when he gets there, it sort of just, yeah, it's sort of kind of a bit boring. I mean, uh, Nicholas Cage carries the whole thing for me. Um, his characters, yeah, would you say a bit misogynist, or at least there's a misogynist theme to it? Um, well, he... there's there's something about that, isn't there? Because I mean, that I can't help but feel that the whole setup for the island is that it's you know it's all women, isn't it? Or they all call themselves sister and right, yeah. Uh, yeah. But I don't think it really knows what it's trying to say. Yeah, well, I know I, I'm not, I can't pass this off as my opinion because I have uh, read or heard this, but I know that obviously the original is very much sort of Catholic versus pagan religions, and I think there's uh, some argument to say that this one is sort of, you know, patriarchy versus the matriarchy sort of thing. Um, but that might be giving it more credit than it deserves. Um but like I say, I do. I sort of, um, I find his way in the movie, especially when he's just sort of, he's just walking into rooms shouting at people. Um, yeah, not charming, but well, just it was funny. Uh, there was nothing horror about this, really. It was just funny nearly all the way through. No, I think there was there was maybe a couple of scenes, weren't there? I think sort of bit where he's digging up the, the the grave, isn't he? And he's the, the bit where he's trapped in the water where it, it flirts with the idea of horror, but it never really does any proper scares. No, no. I think the only real horror in it comes from uh, his sort of like PTSD from the event right at the beginning. There's, th- there are some moments in that when he's seeing the events sort of come back to him and that's like that's the scary stuff but the actual island and the rest of that is very sort of eh (laughs) yeah and I think that's one of the biggest drawbacks of the film for me is that you know part of the stuff that I was comparing it to the original for because we've got this 
th- there's too much going on for for Nicolas Cage. You know, he's he's related to the to the person that he's trying to find. He's got the the mental health problems as well, and he's got you know all this creepy island stuff to deal with. Whereas in the original, like for so much of the film, it's just our lead is just some guy. He's just a policeman. He's he's dropped off at this n- normal island for all intents and purposes. And as we sort of move along the film, we start seeing these little signs that things are off, things are slightly creepy, that the villagers sort of closing ranks around him. They don't want to give away this, you know, who this girl is. And all the while we have that, you know, Christianity pagan mm. back and forth where both sides are resisting each other and clashing against each other. And, you know, you kind of think maybe that's it rather than what's actually, you know, going on behind the scenes. Right. Whereas this one, it's Nicholas Cage arrives with so much on his plate already. And then it's creepy island, creepy island, creepy island. It just, you know, it just bangs you all over the head with yeah. this island's creepy. And it's really it's something that we should find out ourselves that something's not right with this. It, you know, we should be. It's like, you know, if you're following a trail of breadcrumbs, the breadcrumbs have to just be just the right size. You know, if you drop in huge loaves of bread, you full up immediately. You know, and it's, <laughs> it, it's weird how you could, you know, how difficult that is to get right. And it feels strange that two films that are ostensibly the same just yeah. don't, don't get that, you know, and it's, yeah, it's, it's a weird one. And that's, just something I don't think I could really get out of my head while I was watching it. Mm, yeah. And it, like the thing you're saying within this film, you know, where it's supposed to be exploring this creepy Island. It never is creepy Island. Um, you know, none of the female characters, even, you know, the one in charge, never, they never come across as being suspicious or, uh, you know, Apart from obviously, there are some issues regarding you know, like there just seem to be some denial of this of this girl ever existing. Um, but it doesn't it don't give you that. Like, for example, if you were watching something like a Midsummer, you know that the the characters in the village or whatever, there's something off about them, and you feel you feel that you know there's something off here. Um, whereas with this, it doesn't have that sort of off feeling. And he's he has the woman that he goes to see who is her name Willow, I think. Maybe. Uh yeah, I think so. Something like that. Yeah, I think it is. Um but there's something about like the actress in that plays that character so sincerely that she's never off either. And 
I think you need that to a degree. You need in this for to build some tension. There needs to be something that's off, but it never, it never, it never gets there for me. It never, it, it never manages to have any tension about it. Um, yeah. yeah, I think that's the thing, isn't it? It's like it's never off. You know, like you said, that's a perfect word for it. Just something being off, not quite right. It's just you know immediately oh okay they're all wrong and you know <laughs> that's it straight away yeah uh, like you say it, it robs it robs the tension because you already know the path that you're taking yeah and you know you 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 want to follow that path you want to see what twists and turns there are in it not you don't want to go from A to B. You want to go from A to Z via all the other layers. Yeah, you do. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't have that. It's very, um, yeah. It as far as horror goes, it's not great. But look, but listen, right? For me, the back maybe twenty five minutes when Nicholas stage Nicholas stage, oh whatever. Um, he starts sort of losing it a bit, and he's going around ripping people's masks off and, um. I don't want to get into trouble for saying this and you'll have to tell me if I have to delete it, but um, I, I I was really finding it hilarious the amount of time he was punching the people. Um, yeah, I am fully in agreement with you and it's something that should never, ever be funny, which is <laughs> it only goes to serve the highlight of, of how bad the filmmaking is in this stage where you, you can find a man just sucker punching a woman funny. It's yeah, it, it shouldn't be. It's a terrible it, thing. But that for so, somehow, although I would say that it's not as funny as the bit immediately after where he's screaming like, ah, my legs and you know, all the other bit before they chuck him in the wicker, man. Oh, I missed that bit. I told you that, didn't I? That whatever copy I had, I think it wasn't the director's cut. I think I saw the theatrical cut. Um so have that. It was the, the the director put the bees bit in, um, which is the famous bit from the film. Yeah, it's weird that it's a director's cut that that's got that level of notoriety in it. You don't really get that that often. No, no. Um, so yeah, um, yeah. So it does. I, I, I like that bit. I like the bit when he started to crack down. I even I even like the bit sort of you know when he's screaming at the end and and actually the bit that I, that I saw I think without the bees was probably more effective because um, you don't I don't know what whether you've seen that bit but instead of instead of actually seeing them break his legs and put the bees over you just it sort of fades to the the Wicker Man, but you hear the things happening to him, but you don't see the things happening to him. Yeah, which... that, that's the uh, the the funniest. That was the funniest bit for me, just hearing him just scream and all those bits. <laughs> yeah, just with nothing to really reference it. Yeah, but it's probably better than well, the leg breaking is actually quite squeamish. I thought, um, but the bees bit is so. Um, it's <laughs> the thing about the bees bit is. When you take it out of context in that sort of meme thing, it, it, it does look stupid, but you know, the explanation being the fact that he is highly allergic, deadly allergic to bees, it does make more sense why he's so freaked out about the bees. Um but... I mean the, the the earlier bit where he's just running around the field with the beehives is is equally dumb, you know. <laughs> he's just it just seems to 
zigzag immediately into the path of every beehive you can find to knock it over. Yeah, not paying attention whatsoever. I'm gonna I'm gonna hurt all the bees. Um so yeah. But um for all the the bad bits of it, that back twenty five minutes where it starts going a bit loopy and I, I was laughing a lot. Uh I I enjoyed it for that. Um I thought I was gonna really hate it as a film. But actually, you know I wouldn't say it's an amazing movie by any stretch of the imagination, but it was entertaining for me. It was entertaining enough. Um, you know what? What's what's strange about this film is that it's it's completely lacking in any sense of fun, uh, which I mean isn't, isn't strange for films. Loads of them like that, but the original it, it had that and paradoxically this sense of fun made it scarier as a result so right. you, you know towards you know the end before you know they, they throw him in in the wicker man they you know they do the the parade route and in that bit you you've got all these you know these women in masks and the the parading down and the the meant to be scary you know and they're just they're just not. Whereas, you know, in the original, you've got Christopher Lee in drag and, and all these people having a big old song and dance and they're having loads of fun. And it's it's scary as a result of it because of how much these people are, right. are enjoying themselves with this. And it also gives you that feeling of like, you know, it's town street party sort of atmosphere. And it's an atmosphere that, People in, in Britain, especially, will kind of know, right? Whether you know whether we live on streets, have street parties. Thank God I don't. And um, you know, but but you know, town centres on you know big occasions and stuff. We we know what these situations are like, and when you can take that and turn it sinister, you get some you know some proper horror out of it. And it's weird that the thing that's trying to be scary is failing miserably at it but the thing that he's going we're just having fun and being wacky over here like it's chilling as a result like, like i just think that the the vibes are all off for this one mm, yeah i've got i, I have to agree with you because but from all those uh, and all the, the only things i enjoyed was nicholas cage being mental um but yeah in terms of you know plot and and every uh, and everything else, and I wonder if it would if it was slightly ruined by knowing sort of what was going to happen at, at the end. Um, well, it, even that—that's something that just didn't work for me either. Because, like Nicholas Cage in this one is just—he's just some guy, you know. He's some guy that had a relationship with a woman on the island, and. And that's it. That's all they needed for him to to bring him to this island and to to sacrifice him to you know this, this god that the the worshiping. But like that doesn't that doesn't feel powerful to me. You know, it's just oh, he's a guy that they they knew and he's he's been invited to it. Whereas you know the original sets up this big elaborate plan. Where he's 
uh, he's a policeman, so he has the power of a king. Uh, he he dresses up as a as a clown, so you know he ticks that box for them as well. Uh, he is a virgin, and uh, there's something else in it. But the you know the for the sacrifice to work is that the, you know they need all these things ticked off, and you you're kind of drawn in just by the, the power and the planning of of Lord Summer Island, the, the villainy that comes out of it as a result. Whereas, like with this one, you just left as being like, so what? There are loads of guys that you could have just got. You could have got the guy who's flying the helicopter in. He'd, he'd have done, you know. He's... Well, uh, the, the, there is. Now, I mean, there is an uh, there is a reason that Nicholas Cage is there because it has to be someone connected to the island, and his child is there. Yeah, he, it's... he's the blood. So there is, there is. There is, I, I'm agreeing. I'm agreeing with you based on the fact that what you said is obviously there's a larger plan in the original, whereas this is a bit sort of a, you know, <laughs> it feels super weak, doesn't it? It, it? it does. It does. And it's like, it's like they drop a big reveal almost without, and you go, yeah, <laughs> there's, there's no, I think what they might consider to be a twist. It's just like, uh, <laughs> whatever. Although, yeah. did your um, did your version have James? What's his face at the end? Um, it did have James Franco at the end. Yeah. All oh, right. Okay. So setting up a sequel to this, um, which is nice. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm shocked they didn't make it. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's um, I suppose. There's not much more to say about it, really, is there? Uh, no, I think I've, I've pretty much ticked off all my list. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't think I've got anything more to say about it. I think, but listen, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it a fool's gold because it made me laugh quite a lot. Um, and well, that's not essential for a horror film. I did get sort of twenty. 25 minutes worth of enjoyment out of it. So that's not bad. Yeah. I'm, I'm inclined to agree with you uh, because it is, it is very funny towards the end. It, you know, it's Nicholas Cage going full ham, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think I'm, I'm probably going to agree just yeah, it's it's wacky enough to to have fun with it. I was expecting a worse film, to be honest. Uh, I think if the, you know, the, the preceding hour and twenty minutes or whatever it was, was worse, and you know, we got some more daft stuff in there, I would probably be less hesitant to do it. But I'm I'm gonna go give it a fool's gold as well. I think. Oh, awesome! Is this the first time you'd seen it? I was under the impression you might have seen it already. No, this this was the first. Oh, yeah. right. Okay. I thought that I kind of thought that's you were wanting me to watch it because you knew how bad it was. I mean, it's, well, it's got a reputation, hasn't it? Mostly for the yeah, for the bees, for the bees, which wasn't even in my the one I watched. Yeah, I wasn't in yours either. No, I had the theatrical yeah. cut as well. Yeah, yeah, because I think um, the director's cut doesn't have that sting at the end um, with James Franco, so. Yeah, that's weird. 
So yeah, we both we neither of us got to see that bit. Huh. Annoying. Oh well, we did. Yeah. I did. We did. Um, yeah, we, we got enough to. Uh, we got enough to get a podcast out of it, didn't we? we? It, yeah. I thought we did quite well there. Was, there was there was a lot to talk about. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna have to watch the Wicker Man. I'm gonna add it. I'm gonna add it now to my. Well, I already had it on my list. In fact, I think I bought it a while ago. So I think I'll get that watch next because I've been watching a lot of Italian stuff recently. And yeah, I think if anyone here does as well, you know, enjoy folk horror, uh, it's something that I'm very fond of. Uh, I would recommend a documentary on Shudder called Woodlands Dark and Days Bewitched. Uh, it's yeah, it's perfect for anyone that's interested in it and it's an, an enormous library of films that you know will will, will interest you um, i would say don't be scared by the runtime it's like three and a half hours long it's broken up into like half hour segments so you can easily watch it like a tv series oh that sounds lovely that sounds so, lovely that's uh, my top tip oh top tips so let us get into this final slice of Nick Cage bread. Uh, where we're going to insert the man himself into films, franchises. We'll give it a go, eh? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. This is, right, so I'm going to get my one out of the way uh, and then maybe think of another one. Um, because... I was I was thinking and thinking and thinking and thinking and I thought the best film to remake with Nicolas Cage would be American Psycho. <laughs> the thing that you kind of forget about Nicolas Cage is he's actually a really brilliant actor. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I, I actually think you know you you would instinctively say, oh, it'd be great if we, you know he's doing those going on a rampage scenes with Nicolas Cage, but could he do the, the Patrick Bateman stuff? And so, well, yeah, he probably could actually, and it would be really good. <laughs> yeah, we absolutely could. It would be really, really great. And uh, as soon as I thought of it, I thought he's, he fits so well into that role. Um, I would, I would love to see Nicolas Cage do that. I, I want it. In fact, um, I'm not even, I don't even know how I can make it happen. Uh, <laughs> I think we just have to, we just have to manifest it. Yeah, just think I, about it and want it enough and the universe will provide. If I ever find a genie, I might just waste one of the three wishes on it. That's not a waste. Well, You're I, gifting one of the wishes to the to the world. Yeah, but I could... I suppose as long as I get in what I want out of it for two wishes. Maybe instead of wishing for the film, you, you, you grab a Hollywood exec and you... you Make them sign a contract that says, "I will use one of my wishes to like end world <laughs> hunger or, or cure a disease or something," on the proviso that they make this film. Yeah, yeah maybe. Yeah, that, I think that's that's a solution that, that. Oh wait a minute! Works for all parties. Wait a minute! If I just wish for like infinite money, then I could just fund it. Right? You could just make it yourself. Yeah, I could just fund that project myself. Fine, no problem. I'm d- done. I, uh, I'll just do that then. Oh, that's not wasting a wish either. Oh, brilliant. We've sorted that out. Uh, <laughs> so, yes, please give me Nicolas Cage in American Psycho. It's like you say, people do forget that he's an actor. Uh, well, 
Is he Oscar winning or Oscar nominated? Yeah, he's, he's uh, won an Oscar. Yeah, uh, I thought so. Uh, I'm trying to remember uh, the film he did. Was it Leaving Las Vegas? I think it might have been. Uh, yes. Uh, he was nominated as well for adaptation in 2003. Ah. Yeah. So he, oh, yeah, yeah, he's great in that too. Yeah. I mean, like everyone in, in Nicolas Cage family just wins an Oscar. It, it's <laughs> madness, you know, because obviously you know, he's, a, he's a corpola, isn't he? So, you know, uh, Francis Ford, Sophia Coppola, uh, Patricia Arquette, his wife, she she won an Oscar. Uh, his first wife, that is. Uh, so, yeah, yeah they're, they're, they're dripping in success, that family. Yeah, I didn't know he was a Coppola. I yeah, he, he changed his that. name, well, his stage name, uh, because uh, on the set of Fast Times at Ridgemont High, yeah. uh, he, he used to get very gentle ribbing from... Uh, the rest of the cast, uh, that where they would just quote lines from Francis Ford Coppola films at him, and that, that was about it. And and he didn't like that, so he changed his name to, to Nicolas Cage. That's <laughs> enough for him. <laughs> yeah, they, they would just say things like, I, I love the smell of Coppola in the morning, and that, that was that that was bullying, uh, in, in his mind, which I mean, of course, it may have been if we, we weren't there, but. Oh, it sounds like yeah, bullying. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, as bullying goes, it's pretty gentle, isn't it? Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, it can get too much sometimes, though. I'm I'm bad at that. If I get something, I I don't usually let it go until the point where I realise I've gone too far. Mm. But then you've gone too far. Anyway, you have to, yeah, you have to double down even further. No, don't do that. Be nice to people. No, Not I specifically. Just I again. usually apologize. I usually say I'm sorry. I didn't mean to upset you. Um, I realize I've done you wrong. Um, We've taken this to some strange place, haven't we? I, I, uh, I, I'll sacrifice myself for you and your loved ones. So that's nice of me. I thought. I don't know what I'm even talking about now. Right. Well, uh, I'm, I'm going uh, to. Okay. Good. <laughs> going to get this car back on the road. Lovely. So to speak, because. I really, really want to see Nicolas Cage join the Fast and Furious films. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, because should be. Like, I, I, I'm just going to put this out there. I've never seen any of the Fast and Furious films. Really? Uh, when I was when like around the first time that came out, I just I have no interest in cars. Like the oh. only. The only thing a car does for me is get me from A to B. Uh, so I, I just didn't bother with them. And then by the time that they got stupid, daft, fun films, and well, it's five, I think it was, mm. where they became films that I probably would enjoy and have a bit of a laugh with. Like, I just thought they're so far gone now that uh, I... I can't jump on board and, and get into these films. It's like 10 of them. You know, it's, it's an investment now if I want to try and get on this when yeah. there's already so much stuff to watch. But having said all that, Chuck Nicholas Cage in, I'm, I'm straight in there. I'm watching all those films. Can't you just watch Gone in 60 Seconds? Well, that's, you know, he's done, he's done the car film. But let's, you know, let's have him, you know, drive up a building and go crazy with things and... Mm. How if he can say family as weird as Vin Diesel does? 
He puts yeah. a B in there somehow. How does how does he put a B in the word family? I don't know. He's he's. Well, I was going to say something, but I think it might be stealing someone else's stuff. Um, so I won't. Uh, yeah. Uh, I don't know why. I, I don't know why I said oh really when you told me um, about the Fast and the Furious because up until recently I hadn't seen any of them. It just so happened to find on Amazon. I think they had all of them for like fourteen ninety nine or something, and I was like, whatever. So I bought it and watched them all in a weekend, and I don't even like them. <laughs> um, I don't know. I quite liked Tokyo Drift, which most people hate. Um, so yeah, I don't even. So those films are too stupid for me. Like, I don't know. The days of ridiculous 80s action flicks have, have gone by. It was in the 80s. Um, so yeah, I'm not on board. I'm not really on board. So I don't even know why I was like, oh, really? Um, because yeah, don't watch them. I mean, oh, or, yeah, or oh, do I, I watch a lot of stuff? So you know, it's depends if you like The Rock, I suppose. <sighs> I don't generally. No, not as a as a movie star, as a wrestler. I, I like The Rock. I don't like Dwayne. <laughs> yeah, I like The Rock. Yeah, I was watching uh, Rock Hogan the other day um, from WrestleMania X Eight, and I was surprised by how much smaller The Rock was. Smaller, um, smaller The Rock was back in those days. I mean, fuck me, he was still a big guy, but not like he is now. He's like a mountain of a man now. Um, but yeah, that's a good match, you know, Rock Hogan. <laughs> We're going on to wrestling talk now. Yeah, well, I could I could talk about that all day. Well, let's long. be fair. You're chucking Nick Cage in the WWE. Ooh. That's putting butts in seats. That's eyes on the product right there. Yeah. I remember Arnold Schwarzenegger once punched out Triple H. That was good. Um Yeah. Um <laughs> Well, anyway, so while you're here, I'm going to I'm going to spring I'm going to spring on you which if you could pick one, which would be your favourite Nicolas Cage? I'm going to guess. Oh, go on then. I'll let I'm you gonna, go. I'm going to guess at yours. Uh, Mandy. I think you're probably right, yeah. Oh, good guess, I, eh? I, I love Mandy. I, he he was asked a couple of days ago, uh, and he said Pig was his favourite, uh, which is one that I've been meaning to watch for like, like two years now, I think it is. And uh, yeah, I just still haven't got around to it, which quite bad on my part uh but no there's there's a lot of films that i really love uh bringing out the dead it's a fantastic one uh adaptation uh again yeah leaving las vegas raising arizona yeah he's done a lot of really really great films uh yeah. national treasure i mean it's for all it's slated it is still a pretty fun romp daft as it is i think i reckon for me it's gotta be face off yeah oh, uh, of course yeah i think in, Tra- uh, Travolta steals a show in Face Off, I always think. Um, he's great in that. Well, I, a- I have a, a special place in my heart for Face Off because when I was uh, at college doing A-levels, we, we did Citizen, was it C- Critical Thinking, sorry, uh, as an A-level. Right. And uh, one of the questions, you know, basically I just had to construct arguments so that you know, they made sense, they flawed, they didn't have any fallacies or anything like that. Right. And one of the questions... Uh, on my paper was should face transplants be allowed on the NHS? 
Right. And my way to answer this, because it, it's just, it was a DOS lesson. Nobody really cared about it. <laughs> and my solution was, I'm just going to write out the plot of the movie Face Off. And I did that and I got a B. So. <laughs> well there done, you. you. Nicholas Cage will also get you through your A levels. Yeah, excellent. <laughs> um, awesome. I love Face Off. Uh, yeah, I, I think in in terms of the the mid nineties Cage, I probably prefer Conair, but Face Off is still it's still a banger, isn't it? Yeah, I I I, I kind of like Face Off because it's very quotable, or it feels like it is. Um, anyway, we're, we're definitely steering away from horror. We've steered away from horror for some reason. I don't know why. Um, Cage will do that to you. Yeah, he steered us away with his crazy, crazy ways. Um, yeah, so that's it then. We've done it, have we? we we've just, eaten the sandwich. We've achieved. We've gorged. We've made the sandwich. We've wrapped it up in its lovely, lovely wrapper. I popped it in a bag. Guess what the bag says on it? The back says, why don't you give us a five-star review and say something. Join all the somethings. Social medias, that's the ones. And, um, you know, we're going to close up the shop. So, you know, piss off and we'll say bye. Bye-bye. Bye. You bastards. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs>